As you write your life story, you're far from finished. Are you looking to close the book on your job? Maybe turn a page in your career. Be Continued at the Georgetown University School of Continuing Studies. Our professional master's degrees and certificates are designed to meet you where you are and take you where you want to go. At Georgetown SCS, the learning never stops, and neither do you. Write your next chapter. Be continued at scs.georgetown.edu slash podcast. Welding instructor Alex DeClaire knows VR training platforms like ForgeFX help students master their skills. There's a big learning curve with welding. Virtual reality simulates that exact muscle memory that they need. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. Hiring? With Indeed, your search is over. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash match. Just go to Indeed.com slash match right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash match. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Welcome to another edition of Tag the Roll. This is your host, Mark Schindler. I'm joined, as always, by my good friend and co-host, Jake Rosen. Jake, how are you doing today, man? I'm doing great. I'm very excited for this episode. Yeah, so we finally are doing our first guest episode. That was not meant to slander. I meant because this is our ninth episode, and we have not done a guest pod yet. <laughs> and now we're really psyched to bring on a good friend of ours, somebody who we look up to and really enjoy Uh hearing his thoughts, seeing his opinions initially with the dime drop now over at the ringer. And that's Jay Kyle, man, Kyle, how are you doing today, man? Were you guys like 14 years old when I started doing the dime drop? <laughs> I, think, like, <laughs> I was at least in high school. So I, I probably wasn't, a little older <laughs> boy, but yeah, it doesn't feel like that long ago to me, but I start realizing like, as you get a little older, it's like you, the laps feel shorter, obviously, you know, that's kind of the way it is. But like, I always think about people who are like in college 
do you ever hear about like players in college that be like, yeah, I watched uh, Zion when I was growing. Oh, they'll name some like super yeah. recent player. You're like, oh my god, like it just dawns on you how much like basketball goes in a short amount of time. But you guys also pitched this to me as like this is our first episode. You'll be the guest. You kind of sold it like I was like it was prestigious. I know this was episode ten. I'm offended. Okay, <laughs> you did nine episodes. You sold this to me like, well, we're pitching that you're gonna be the you're gonna <laughs> you know. You're gonna be the feature on our debut episode. I just feel a little. Uh, I feel a little shorted. You know, that's all I'm trying to say here. Uh, yeah. I blame Jake. I'll, I'll blame Mark that's for a, that. That's a, oh, what? Okay. What is this? Yeah. Point? Okay. All right. Uh, Bad teammates. Yeah, that's that's. I'm awesome. kidding. Obviously, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm flattered to be here. I'm flattered that you. Yeah, like I, I appreciate it. Thank you. Yeah. So thank and, thank you, me. And speaking of the age thing, though, really quick. Uh, I didn't feel that for the first time until Asante Samuel's son went to Florida State. I'll never forget. I was watching like I just like randomly didn't have class one day a couple of years ago, and I was watching uh, the commitment day, and I saw Asante Samuel Jr. I'm like, you've got to be kidding me! Like, because I remember watching Asante Samuel play in the NFL my entire life. So it's just yeah, I've I don't want to get too caught up in this before we actually get started, but I do have one more for you guys. As I was making my bite. Way back home, I was kind of making some calls with local coaches. I'm asking who was catching the eye recently. They said, oh, there's this middle schooler, Navarro Bowman Jr. He's really Oh, my legit. God. You can't be serious. I was like, oh, okay. Yeah, swear to God. Um, but, That's yeah, we can get going on, but I feel like I had to add that one to the conversation. <laughs> wow. Well, dude, it's, like, weird to go to, like, UIBL tournaments and see – like people, I, because what happens is when you're younger, you take, and this is going to happen to you guys. I talk like I'm like 50, I'm only in my thirties, but like, well, you're going to take like a snapshot of what players look like when they're in their primes and you were watching them all the time. And then you're going to see them in person and it's jarring. Like, I mean, like I remember Scott Pollard, that's like reaching way back. He played for Kansas in the late nineties on some like very good Kansas teams and then played for those really good Kings teams. I saw him at a Pacers game actually one time and he had like his hair was way back here and he had like i was like i was like oh yeah you've been aging and all you weren't just in some like cryogenic memory chamber where you like weren't aging like yeah or then like power forwards from the 90s i always feel like i see those at like eybl tournaments like sharif abdur rahim and tim thomas yep. i was like yeah they're just like older dudes now but like, yeah i mean like ben wallace looks on. like father time now with like just the full-on white in his beard like it's it's insane to watch man because i remember like growing up not too far from detroit everybody's wearing like the ben wallace froze and headbands uh when i was a kid so it's just it's odd to yeah it's odd to see but in in light of aging you on the pod we'll transition now let's talk about kentucky <laughs> because uh, part of the reason that we want to have you on, not just to deem you the Kentucky guy, but you are kind of one of the Kentucky guys. Um, this Kentucky team is kind of weird. Like they are good, but I think as Jake put it, as we were getting on, this is one are of they? Their... I don't know. I'm not for sure about that. I, was I mean, like, say, are they? <laughs> based on right now, they're, they're eight and two. They're fine. Uh, minus the destruction at the hands of Duke um, and a bad game against Notre Dame. Um, I mean, this is probably their worst prospect grouping since when? And I don't mean that in a, in a, as a slight. Last year, last last year, uh, twenty thirteen was pretty bad. Um, twenty fifteen sixteen had one yes. surefire pro. I mean, Murray Scal didn't end up being what we thought he would be. Just probably misevaluated. Probably missample. I, I feel like we've gotten better 
about um, gauging samples, you know, sample has become a word that I, like, I, I just feel like people are more careful about maybe in recent years. But yeah, this team is, is strange. I almost wonder if Cal had such a bad experience with last year's team that he was like, we need to have, we need to go like the polar opposite direction. And the reason I say, I'll, I'll reveal why I think that here in a second, but I think he wanted to go towards something pretty sure thing, especially in COVID because um, that group last year, from what I have been told was a little fragile in terms of like mentality. Um, and this, he wanted to bring in some veterans now in terms of like the roster build, even this time, it's he he sort of like was purported to be thinking a certain way about what, the way he was going to put it together like stylistically the way they're doing it is still a little bit cow like traditional cow ram your head into the wall cow kind of thing um but yeah like prospect wise it's pretty slim i mean it's tie tie in some like far reaching nether realm of possibility maybe damian collins becomes something that's a lot of factors going right I know I saw a couple of Kentucky guys tweeting like Oscar Sheepway is an NBA player. I was like, ah. uh, so there's that. Um, aside from that, I, I just don't really, I think Grady could be a pretty good European player, I'd imagine, which to me is not a slight. I've always said that. Yeah. That's like such a ridiculous, if you think about like the top percentage of basketball players in the world, if you can go be a good player in Europe, that means you're a pretty fucking good player. It's like so hilarious <laughs> yeah. how Americans condescend to the Euro game um, or any, you know, there's just a lot of good basketball to watch out there. Uh, it's just they're, they're filtering factors with the American game that don't mean you stink. It just means maybe you're not the type of athlete that can make. Yeah, you guys know these things, but like yeah. it's it is a weird team and I don't know if they're good. There's a lot of kind of things we could go in with that. But Ty Ty seems like I think Bryce Hopkins is an interesting player, too. Uh, he's been banging some threes lately, which I think is an interesting kind of door for him. And he has some kind of guard skill set in there. I can't quite tell what he is. He's a tweener, but tweener used to be a bad word in basketball, but it's not anymore. So, Yeah, I mean, going from that, I think we all are on the same consensus that Ty Ty is their guy. And I've kind of grown up used to seeing Kentucky – catered around their prospects the ball was in their hands a lot obviously like one of my favorite teams in college basketball was the monk and fox team like just so much fun letting those freshmen rock out and do their thing and it's a little bit different for ty ty this year i i don't know where you fall on him on the lead guard or the combo guard spectrum uh how confident are you in his ability on the ball do you like him more distributed off the ball as a shooter i do think severe wheeler's fun as a college point guard uh, there's some severe limitations as a pro there but in terms of breaking down the defense and firing out some pretty impressive passes to the perimeter or drop-offs i think he is good there um i'm just curious where you see ty ty fitting in do you think this unique team build of uh, veterans is more ideal for him than having to battle it out against other one and duns who are also looking for their own ball reps. Uh, Cause he's kind of the lone guy there in terms of freshmen and guys really looking to boost their draft stock. Obviously she is maybe in that conversation, but he's going to boost his stock in an entirely different way. So I'm kind of curious where you stand on the context as it surrounds Ty Ty. I think I personally would like to see Ty Ty on the ball more um cal has the one of the things that frustrates me the most and i've had people that know tell me uh from direct experience uh without naming names that cal will always pick speed over shooting always 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 and he's doing that right now now like we like i think wheeler's an important kind of 
he's had this happen a couple of different times with guard prospects like Max, the Maxie Hagen's dynamic was similar to this. The Fox Briscoe dynamic was similar to this, um, where Cal will come in with his guy. And then over the course of the season, it becomes clear that this other person needs to take the reins. That could be going on right now. Like it, it could be a case that he's just not ready to, to give Ty Ty the reins because the thing about college coaches is unless you just have, unless you're in one of these programs where you're not under immense pressure to win, like college is different than like ignite where you can experiment and, and with the risk of losing, like you can experiment a lot more where it's like these high major coaches have to balance things like keeping their jobs. Not that Cal's going to lose his job, but he also has to keep a, a resume that's not totally, you know, in, in shambles. And I think there's a threshold of trust where maybe, maybe it's a case it's a few things converging. It's his preference for speed and on-ball pressure, which Wheeler gives you. And then also um, just maybe he thinks that Ty Ty's not quite past that threshold of of he could just trust him. I, I don't know that Ty Ty is in the same class, like the same realm of like a Fox, like a John Wall, like a Brandon Knight, like he's ready to produce immediately. I don't know what he would do under the burden of that. Um, but I definitely would prefer to see him in like three guard lineups with like Grady and Mintz. I've been on record saying that because uh, like you said, Wheeler, I've kind of gotten some pushback on my like negativity with Wheeler. I have to kind of watch it because, you know, <laughs> you, you say it's not like you're just saying things in private about, I don't have a problem with him. Like as a player, I just think like schematically um, there are limitations that are there that I think you can see coming a mile away. Like after the Notre Dame game, I don't know if you guys watched that. I did they were just like, one, unfortunately. they were giving him immense space, space in like every ball screen. And it was just like, I don't care how fast you are. I don't care how good a passer you are. If, if teams are going to drop like that and you're like five, six, five, seven, all of your positives are negated. So as that pertains to Ty Ty, I personally think that the ceiling for this team is him being the guy carrying the primary reps. But uh, I think this is going to be a team that's going to have to like run a lot of actions every time down and like keep it moving. They're not a team that can just pound you in one primary action. And like they don't have enough talent to do that because Oscar is not like a great low post score. Oscar is not a great passer out of the post. Um, so Ty Ty's kind of hard to read because I think he's he's so young. Um, I this is the case with a lot of Kentucky guys. We're just not going to see anything close to what he's going to be at Kentucky, in my opinion. Um, so that that probably will segue to some of the other things yeah. you want to talk about. That was, that's definitely a good segue. Um, I do want to ask one more question before we fully move on. With Ty Ty, I think there is a very stark contrast with him versus Wheeler. Like if Wheeler, you're going to go under, you're going to make him beat you with the shot. Um, you're not going to give him any room to beat you with blow by speed Ty Ty is kind of the opposite end of the spectrum he's going to kill you in the mid-range very proficient as a pull-up shooter in the mid-range with a floater but in terms of getting all the way to the rim and making you pay that's probably one of his bigger weaknesses and I really do love how you point out that Kentucky is going to have to kill you and wheel and deal you with actions because Ty Ty especially um, if you're just relying on ISO stuff off the bounce that's where he's going to lack as a ball handler but I really do like his craft his patience um, in the pick and roll getting to his spots he's really good there and I do think there is some stuff there as a passer as well so my kind of thing would be uh, do you think it's realistic to employ Ty Ty as like a lead ball handler given I know you said you want to see him on ball more, but is that more so as a prospect or just for Kentucky? Like you think that gives Kentucky the best shot at winning the basketball game, um, even though despite his ability to get to the rim and does that kind of 
coincide with, hey, we're going to kind of switch to how we're playing. We're going to stray away from all the ISO stuff and just pound, sec like pick and roll into a second side action, into a third side action. And like, we're going to start with Ty Ty because I trust him the most there because of Wheeler's limitations. I know that was a lot, but kind of take it as you will. I think I see what you're saying. Yeah, I mean, I think they're already kind of realizing they need to play that way. It's it's both, honestly, at the same time. I, I think they're they're realizing they need to play that way because against UNC, they definitely did. Um, Wheeler played a lot better, which could delay the whole process. I don't know. I, I don't. Did you all get to see that game at all? I'm mean, going to have to watch I, UNC. Yeah, I did watch Notre Dame, but yeah, no UNC. North Carolina. They looked like they didn't want to be there. It was like it was. I don't know. UK fans are like woohoo! Fire the shotgun <laughs> in the air. It's like. Yeah, I mean, they did, but Carolina just, it was pitiful. Like, Caleb Love just, he played absolutely terrible on-ball defense. Um, yeah, I, I think that this has been this reticence to to move like a like a scoring. There, there, Cal's had a few guards now where he's had some reticence to move them on ball. Maxie was the same way, like I was saying, like, and that's been a, that's been kind of a developmental thing with Maxi. Doc Rivers said it really early on in his career. He's like he's got to decide which he wants to be, like a playmaker or a scorer. It's like maybe, but I, I think that his Cal has this fear of putting a primary scorer or just a shooter, um, you know, as his primary initiator. That that philosophically is a place where I differentiate from him. Like I I, I really feel like in today's game now Cal. Who are you going to pick between some idiot nerdy ass guy like me or John <laughs> Calipari? He knows his shit. I mean, I'm just saying um, I like to have a shooter. Like it's like Murray played off the ball at Kentucky. Uh, Tyler Hero 1000% should have played point guard at Kentucky. I've said that numerous times. And if you see it, I, I just think that he, uh, he would rather balance. And, and I guess it, what it comes down to is does what happens on the court totally dictate where these guys are going to go developmentally or where they're going to go that direction either either way there's sort of a like schrodinger schrodinger thing going on there like the reality is like what happens in the games isn't the whole story you know the what these guys do in college you know the recon that these teams do about what they learned how they grew when they were in college things like that um it, it's not all kind of contingent on the games like did would devin booker where would he have ended up if he had been on on ball more in college? Clearly, it didn't impact him that much because he was just. And on some level, I think the guys kind of are what they are. Um, maybe Kentucky gets you ready in like some intangible ways, or these high major programs get you ready in some intangible ways. Um, but Ty Ty, I think by the end of the year, like I said, I think he's going to need to be on ball more for his own good and for the sake of the team. That's just my philosophy. So. It's kind of Sorry, a sidebar a off that. No, you're good. This is this is the ramble pod. Trust me. Um, yeah. But as like a sidebar off that is going a little bit more into the NBA, but looking like through De'Aaron Fox, I think this is something I'm writing on right now because it's it's like just watching Sacramento is always a it's an unfair passion project that I should not take on, but I, I do it every year for some reason. Um, I mean, he's really become a little bit more of an off-ball scorer this year. Not, I mean, I don't want to say out of necessity, but like they've just started to hand the keys over to Tyrese Halliburton a little bit more. Um, I mean, what do you? I don't. What do you make of that? Which as they should, it, but like, yeah, I guess it's 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 just an odd dichotomy. Like, okay, well then, what are you doing with Aaron Fox? I think is kind of where it gets to. Like, I don't know what to make of of how things have gone with him this year. Like, his playmaking has almost regressed in a way, which has been. Um, it's just been an odd, odd thing to watch over the last two years as, as that's kind of unfolded for him with how he looked last year, 
compared to how things have gone this year. Um, it's yeah. I mean, wh- wh- where are you at with that? I kind of have thought when they, when they got Halliburton, really this kind of goes back to a core question. There are kind of like non-starters, I think with players that are just really hard to get past. And it's like, mm-hmm. well, the core question of this, if you want to take it to like its most primary spot, is just what do you do with non-shooters? Like where, where do you, where, when, when is it acceptable? Talk about thresholds. Where's the threshold of like, is this non-shooter workable? And it's like, okay, well, if I have a non-shooter, I would just ask you all, what would, what would be the pluses that would, I would want to couple that with to make it acceptable to put him out? And not that he's like a zero shooter, but he's not a great shooter. He's not like a super, I don't know if his number came up. It was in like the twenties or it may have even been lower earlier in the season. Um, I mean, I personally would hope that they give me plus plus defense, some kind of plus plus playmaking, like, like a Josh Giddy, you see people being uh, optimistic about him. It's like, well, there are pluses there that you can work with. There are lineups that you can do. I just think like the wrong initiator thing is something I say a lot. Like, I just think you're starting from a flawed proposition of, well, I know this guy's not going to be able to go against like a set defense because he's not going to threaten you with shooting. So with Fox, to me, it made sense if he was willing to accept it. Um, he was just kind of like hard-headed about role for a long time. Like it was, he was the primary guy. I thought that Halliburton could help him. Like if you put Fox in a position, he's faster than everybody. Put him, and he was his catch and shoot numbers were a lot better than his. Yeah, um, I mean they were they were decent. Except yeah, I think it was like league average last year. So. Yeah, yeah, and you think about how fast he is. He draws fouls in transition. Go take it in transition. Go uh, good in transition. I don't know what his feelings are like taking that role. Uh, Mark, you maybe maybe have paid more attention to this. I know yeah, I don't think is he's a pretty, been a big fan. He's a pretty opinionated guy, pretty outspoken guy. More power to him, sure. But I, I just I kind of thought if he was willing to accept it, that it could be good for him. Maybe maybe he's not willing to accept it. But I thought Hallie was a good fit for him in that way. So we kind of tease this a little bit. Um, what guys look like at Kentucky versus what they end up looking like i think when you just have a vast majority of like the all-stars and max players that just happen to come from one school um kentucky just has a ridiculous roster currently going in the nba and inherently when all those guys a lot of them are playing together or you know year after year your expectations of what they should look like like not everyone looks like an absolute star um in college and then they can obviously blossom to that especially when they're usually at kentucky they're 19 20 years old um so i think kentucky kind of has a reputation for boxing guys in i don't know how true that is i haven't been paying close enough attention for long enough uh this is a like question i really wanted to ask you since you kind of agreed to go on it how much stock do you put into this and is it real is it real sometimes are we just looking for things to correlate that aren't really there? Um, the floor is honestly all yours for this. Is this the Kentucky bump thing that you had in the in the outline? Yes. It? Yes. Who do you? Th- I would ask you. Who do you think? Where, what are the examples of the Kentucky bump in your opinion? I think Booker is probably. I think people will definitely point to Booker. I think. I mean, it feels so weird the bump to say in his draft. because he's the number one. The like. The no, no, no. I'm saying the bump in the bump in them just like them not looking like the ultimate player that they are in the league in college. And obviously people develop plenty of different skills in the league, but it just sort of feels like BAM is what I'll say. Like we didn't see any of the stuff BAM is doing 
in college. Booker, um, as someone who watched a couple of Booker games, you hinted at this, Booker off the ball a lot. I think there are some instances where the skills were there and schematically they were just pushed off. I think Tyler Hero, as you got at, is definitely one of those examples. Like Tyler Hero went straight into summer league and was handling the ball. Obviously summer league is a very different animal from a competition standpoint, but like he didn't develop those skills in a three month span. They were there in some aspect. So not in terms of draft stock, I'm kind of getting at, they get into the league and their arsenals completely opened up beyond our imagination um and we didn't really see that at kentucky if that kind of makes sense it does i i think a couple i don't know that there's a catch-all answer for it i think usage is a big one i mean some of it is you know cal cal was an innovator when it came to embracing like dribble drive get to the rim embracing like um he didn't embrace like the three-point shooting aspect of it which we're still seeing a lot of that but um he doesn't like, like I said, he doesn't like to put like those combo shooting guards at the one, mainly because I think he isn't in love with like pull up threes at the point of attack. Like he, he's not somebody that likes that. Um, like that's probably why. Well, they also had Tyler Eulis when Murray was here, but um, who was a pretty damn good college player. I think he people forget good. about that. Um, but yeah, I think usage is part of it. I think that like, um, like with Carl. I think some of the things you'd have to go a little more specific on Carl, like with that team, Willie is like a person that I find myself disagreeing with Kentucky fans. If you really want to like, that's one that I've like really irritated some people with because Willie was like an all American on, he was like the token all American on that 15 team, which he was not an all American. Like it was fucking ridiculous. Like (laughs) Willie was like, Willie was fine. I was like, I always joke about like Willie, ran the length of the court next to Jaron Grant on that one play. I was like, oh, wow, how impressive. It was like, yeah, it was, it was good. Willie was good. But it was like when he decided to come back, it fucked Carl over, honestly. I think in terms of like lineups and usage, they had to play they play Trey Lyles at the, at the three. I just think like if you go back and watch some of their last games, it was like it was just like a crowded elevator offense. And, you know, anyway, uh, God. Uh, but <laughs> I just think sometimes short-term positives can handcuff long-term flexibility and like vision like you think this thing's working it'll continue to work uh which is all all kind of like you know present and backward looking mentality and you have to be willing to say like you know that what is happening now won't won't necessarily continue to happen and i think cal will get like and another thing that factors into is just body you know physical maturity like booker booker was good pretty early on he's another example of a guy who like maybe in another situation you know, if the twins hadn't come back and it had just been like a Euless mm-hmm. Booker backcourt, um, maybe his reps would have been different. Maybe we would have seen those things on ball in college. He physically wasn't ready to defend, I know, at a high level at the end of the year. He got just absolutely chewed up by like Wisconsin in particular. Um, that's another thing that factors in. It's always gonna be a thing. It's like, okay, we're we're not gonna see what these guys are, you know, when they're when they're nineteen. Some guys that are more physically prepared, like Wall was unbelievable at Kentucky because he was physically just so dominant. Anthony Davis, um, same thing. He just had his physical tools were there. Bam is one. Um, you have it in your outline, guys, that you're wrong about. I don't know if you want me to go ahead and talk about this. Oh, go ahead. He's uh, a guy I whiffed hard on. And that was that was me talking about, like, looking backward. I was guilty of it. Um, basketball, I wasn't, like, really – following it full time at that point. So I kind of had my opinions up to that point and hadn't really noticed like, oh, basketball is like really changing, like schematically, like the way these guys are used. 
Um, I thought of Bam as like a runner, jumper, dunker type. Like I, I remember I had a friend who wrote about the Pacers and I was telling him, I was just like, I wouldn't draft Bam. I was like, he can't, he, he couldn't, at that point he couldn't like, had no bag around the rim. It was either dunk it or, and I just was not seeing the, the ways that he could be useful. Um, so that was one that I really missed on. Um, so totally, that was probably my worst. Well, I mean, on the flip side, give your give yourself some credit. I'm sure there have been guys who are spot on. Like, who is someone you really nailed it on um, for coming out of Kentucky? I had a pretty good idea what Maxie would be. I was really high on Murray. I thought Murray should have been picked. What did he end up going in that draft? Sixth? Something he was like seventh, that? I think. Yeah, but was he was seven. awesome in college. Murray was awesome in college. That was one, I guess, uh, both sides of my mouth here. I was like, I saw him being an elite movement shooter in the league. I was just like this guy. Uh, I thought the Wolves should have taken him. I thought like the Carl Murray dynamic would have been really, really fun. Mm -hmm. Um, I didn't know why they didn't do that. They even passed up the chance to do it. Um, yeah. Anyway, I think, I think they took Chris Dunn. Didn't they take Chris Dunn? Chris yeah. Dunn, yeah. I'm still, yep. still very sad that Chris Dunn and Ben Menzel both didn't work out in the NBA, but neither here nor there. <laughs> Were those your guys? I loved Ben Bentel, man. I thought yeah, I was uh, I was like the one team that I followed along with that much that year. And I was like, oh, Ben Bentel's going to be a guy. He was not a guy. So, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, going back, I mean, uh, aside from like the obvious ones, like I was like, I wasn't confident about Eric Bledsoe, which that that one ended up. Uh, I always joke with uh, with uh, Milwaukee Bucks fans. I'm like, hey, I was like, I, I like teased them a little bit about, about Bledsoe. I was like, look. If anybody knows what it's like to have Eric Bledsoe shoot them out of an important game, it's me. Trust me, I sympathize. Like I, I know what it feels like. Um, Hero, I was pretty pretty spot on with. There were guys that I believed in um, more. This is a really random pull. I don't even know if you guys remember this guy, but Sasha Kalea Jones was a guy yes. that played for Kentucky um, yep, of for a little while. And man, he would show some glimpses. He had like beautiful shot mechanics. He was big. He was like a legit 6'11". He'd come in and just like block a couple shots. Uh, problem was he just didn't really know how to play. And I had people yeah. that would tell me that like he had some like homesickness or that's, you know, speculation. I want to be reckless here, but just never could, could quite put it together. Ended up transferring to NC State, and then he was out of there pretty quickly too. It just kind of—I always thought he was a guy. And Cal's Cal's tolerance for face-up fours, face-up fives to stretch is just very low. Like he just doesn't let people do it. It took him most of the year to let Olivier Saar shoot threes last year, and it was like he started playing well the moment he did. Um, Cal's kind of like this is a this is a trade school where you're going to come in here and learn lefty righty hooks and and that's that's the way he likes his picks to play so I've, I've had plenty of misses i thought ej montgomery would be a good passer just i learned some lessons you know um ball skills don't always imply uh iq is a hard lesson that i've learned even though a guy is fluid and he looks like he can pass it shoot it they don't necessarily doesn't necessarily mean they know what they're doing um so not very spot on i do want to little go back and harp on the age thing like because as we mentioned a lot of Kentucky's guys especially the prominent ones are one and duns and they're we're catching them at Kentucky and we're evaluating their quote-unquote college sample when they're 19 and I do want to compare that to someone like Macau Bridges at Villanova um we give Nova so much props they developed Macau he was patient he came into league league ready xyz and I'm like I don't think that's very fair because if we're going to apply the same lens 
what would someone look like if they stayed at Kentucky for three years and got reps and stayed in their system and did all that. So I do, and I think it's a good transition into our next one um, about age. I did just want to rebring that up and say, like, hey, when we are looking at Kentucky guys, I do think it is a little bit bad faith to be like, well, we had no, and obviously, I mean, you were talking about him, bam, we had no priors of bam doing this this and this or we had no priors of i'm trying to think tyler hero handling the ball and like yeah sure maybe some of that is cal maybe some of that is usage as you've alluded to um he has his preferences and is going to stick to his guns but i do just want to re-raise that point um for everyone listening and obviously all of us like i think it is a little bit unfair to pick kentucky up against college programs when their players and the majority of their prospects aren't necessarily one and done and we're looking at cal getting guys eight months out of high school and like holding them accountable for it. I think it's a little bit ill-advised and unfair. Mm-hmm. Um, going off that, weighing age, where do you stand on this? I know Mark and I had this talk last year, uh, last episode. We said it was case by case. So if you want to take the cop out, feel free. It is there for you. Um, if you have a more in-depth and educated nuanced answer, we would love to hear it. I think it'd be... I think it's stupid to, to blanket say age. It is case by case. I don't. I don't know how you could have any other answer. I mean, and and I think that like you could go more specific, maybe with specific skill types. Like I think shooting is a big one. Like case by case. If you're not like much of a shooter past like the age of like eighteen, nineteen. I mean, like yeah, you plummet. Your your odds of becoming a good one plummet. Doesn't mean you can't. I mean, there are examples of guys becoming capable, dependable. Rubio is a really good example of that. That comes down to just the person. And like, and there is no real, you know, quantitative thing for that. That's all just like, what's the dude like? What is their, uh, you know, what information do they have? How interested are they in getting better? Those are things you could probably write books about that. I honestly don't know. And I think that it comes down to the organizations and the teaching that they have. Like, I think a good shooting coach. Um, I honestly feel like shooting coaches should be traded like players, honestly, today, like developmentally. Like I, I look at some of the some of the teams that have good shooting coaches and it's just like this is such an obvious thing that you really need to value highly just because shooting is like I was joking about this in a Josh Giddy thing that I did recently. I was like shooting is like the key that I don't know if you guys have played Mario 64. It's like the key that opens the door to the whole castle. It's like a minute, there's a whole have, yeah. <laughs> there's a whole wing of basketball that you can't access if you if you don't shoot the ball. And it's 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 pretty it's pretty simple on that level. But I, I think you're right. I think um, just because a player's a little bit older, uh, we have a we have a way of just kind of like discarding guys that that are ready to play. Um, I don't know. I guess. Where is your all's threshold? Like, what's the? Where do you think it's like unacceptable to take like a twenty-four year old? Like a Chris, a Chris Duarte is a good question. Yeah. Um, I know Mark, you've watched him a lot this year. Um, what What do you all think about that in terms of age? Is there like a? Absolutely, I would not take a guy in his like early to mid twenties in the top ten. Like, or what do you think? It's so interesting because this is something like as I've gotten more into the draft sphere over the last year, especially coming just like pretty much strictly NBA watching. Uh, that's something I've really tried to decipher. And I think, um, I, I don't know, like to me, I think so much of it is dependent on on what the organization is and what their priorities are. Um, because like for Indiana, like, I mean, a lot of fans and I mean myself too, like Moses Moody was on the board. I was like, all right, take Moses Moody. It makes sense. But for what they wanted to do and who the coach is like knowing Rick, okay, Rick is not here to play a rookie 
like 25 minutes per game that is not ready to play 25 minutes per game. That's not what's going to happen. It made sense. Like, I think you can have quibbles with it as, you know, somebody who analyzes the draft and wants to see like, you know, how you feel about a player and their potential. I understand that. But I think where I come into it is even if I disagree with how an organization is doing it, the fact that they are taking this guy, they've no, they've, they've said, okay, we believe in your skill set. We see a role for you right now. And we think you can grow in it. I think that's more important than anything is, is where I've come at with, with how I've looked at stuff in the draft. Like even with golden state this year, like I think they've been a really good fit for Jonathan Kaminga. Part of it is it's hard because like, I mean, not hard, but like, I mean, golden state has a ton of talent, their, their system and what they want to do. They came out and automatically were like, Hey, we don't really view him as a wing right now. We think ideally he's going to be a, be a four place some buy for us, do some small ball things. And they've really simplified his role in a way that I think has been important for him coming into the league early on. And he's, he's shown some really good stuff out of it, both in summer league and in the league right now. Um, so that's just my long winded way of saying, I think like, I mean, it's again, it's a cop out, but like it's case by case. I think I don't, I don't really care as much about the age. I think it's, is there going to be a real buy-in from an organization to develop this guy? Because I think to me, that's almost more important than anything else. Like if the organization actually believes we see something in you and we want to get it out of you and we think that we are the organization that can do it. Like, I think that's what matters the most to me. Yeah. I mean, I, I think I'm willing to use age, like a guy being younger and still producing, I'm willing to use that as a positive. I'm where I, where you kind of lose me is saying, Oh, this kid's only 18 as a freshman or he's only 19 as or whatever. Like he can develop X, Y, and Z, even if, the like flashes and traits aren't really there yet um that's i feel like i do think people kind of get a little carried away with oh this guy's so young like he has a ton of time to figure it out i'm like well there's actually a guy who's showing it and is eight months older like is that making the difference for me to me no um but if you're really we mentioned this on the last pod um if you're watching like the aau guys and someone at eybl is like legit of age um or is younger and is playing up a little bit and is producing I'm going to take note of that. And like, that matters to me, especially at the high school level. Um, and again, we're talking about freshmen, like someone like Jaden Springer was still producing an SEC play while being very young for the class. But again, like where you start to lose in the gray area, I think is when you just give so much benefit of the doubt, when there's someone that might be right next to him in the same mold or same archetype that is really showing the things and you're going to hold him to a much higher standard because he's nine months older. That doesn't really sit with me. Yeah, and I have uh, just a small rant too, going off of that, like you're talking about with with some of the uh, uh, I don't know the, like the exact wording for it, but like like we've talked about this too off air, um, and it's something I want to write about. But like the consistent like, oh well, if he just shoots it, I'm like, okay, well, has he ever shot it before? Like, is there actually are there indicators there that like actually make you believe? Yeah, this guy could be a shooter, not just a shooter, like whatever you want to put out with you know, like whatever the percentage is, but like, is, is the defense going to give a shit that he's shooting? Like that, that it takes like years of, of building up a reputation and confidence to actually have that. And I I'm right there with you. Like, I think sometimes there's just like so much projection with it that I don't know if there's necessarily a basis for. Um, and I think it's gotten better recently as I mean, with the way that um, spacing has developed in the NBA just over the last five or six years, I think people understand that more now, but yeah, it's 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 definitely been prevalent with a few a uh, few one and done guys this year, but for sure. Um, the next question I kind of wanted to get at was obviously we all spend a lot of time watching film, whether it be college, NBA, high school, whatever. 
Um, when you are scouting guys for the draft, since this is a draft specific podcast, some things pop off the screen immediately. Um, obviously that hits for different people. What are some of the skills that you're a little bit more cautious to make claims about and typically take the longest to get a real feel for it? Hmm. Um, defense, I think is really yeah. tricky. I think you have to be really careful with that. Um, guys are maturing in a way cognitively at that stage. I think you have to be very careful and read between the lines. Like I think defensive metrics are like, I don't even, I, to me, defense is like 100% my eyes. Like I, I really, well, I won't say hundred, like there's like the all out like disruptiveness, which I think can be, I think everybody that's a well-known draft, like investigative, like, uh, clue. Like, you know, we, we look at like guys that are like highly disruptive. I think that's the easiest stuff. Oh, you can, you can see, you also can go from there. There are like questions that kind of like jut off from that. Like he's very disruptive. Is he just like caught, like not cautious at all? Or is he, cause there's a difference between like an Evan Mobley. I've talked a, a lot about this lately, like very smart, but also very disruptive, very calculating with like the chances that he takes. And then like a Mitchell Robinson, who is just like flying everywhere and your eyes are bugging. You're like, how did he block that? Oh my God. But then they might be foul prone. They might not have any clue what they're actually doing. You know, like they might not be thinking about defense. Uh, and, but I think guys, their ability to, uh, I think that that's probably the hardest thing to scout. I think whenever you watch people talk about the draft um, is paying attention to possessions and watching guys kind of calculate because you can be off with it. Aiton is a big one in college that like when Aiton was coming out, there were a lot of people that were just like, he's slow. He's not, you know, he's not, he doesn't understand what's going on, things like that. I think you kind of just have to look a little closer and be like, okay, that guy's just really learning or, or something happened with their teammate. It could come down to the way they're being played in a lineup. I know he really thought he was a four, even like early in his career with the Suns, he kept publicly saying I'm a four. Um, I think Chris that. Paul, I think Chris Paul has been so wonderful for DeAndre Ayton. Like um, I, it's been a joy to watch just because Ayton is just such a sweet, wholesome, like very like sincere person. Like when you hear him talk and Chris Paul will just come in and be like, no, you know, it's like, it was like really <laughs> funny. Like at the beginning of the year last year, the amount of yelling that Chris Paul did it, not that, not that that's the way to handle anything, but I just think that was really, that's a side tirade. I think defense is probably my answer on that. I think that's the one thing, um, at least I know I have to be really careful about. Um, shooting, shooting, like I think you just have to be careful, like how you c categorize shooters, like, like, and there are a million things that sort of branch off of that too, how quickly they shoot. Even guys that you think are good shooters, like have to make tweaks. I know like we talked about Tyler Hero, he tweaked his shot. Cade has tweaked his shot. Uh, tons of people have have come into the league that are perceivably good shooters that have to make adjustments because um, the one thing, and I think you really pick up on this more in, in person, I noticed whenever they were using sort of like uh, in the bubble, they were using those like floor level cams a lot. I think the average person maybe doesn't detect just how quickly you have to be ready to go when you catch the ball in the NBA. The margin for error time is like very underestimated i think for the average fan because when you're watching over top and i'm not acting like i'm some ex expert but these are things i've had to kind of calculate on my own um 
when you're watching from the top, you can't get a sense for that really. Like the NBA game is so quickly and any anywhere you can like shave off seconds or like utilize the time that you have, it's really important, I think. So um, yeah, uh, God, there are, there are like a hundred ways I think you can answer that question, but that's just a couple off the top of the head. No, defense was definitely one for me. And you might've even got at an outline that I'm currently working on for next piece, which is weighing instincts, as you mentioned, like the Mitchell Robinson stuff versus structural like structural proficiency making a rotation stunting at the right time um kind of doing the things that we're working on in shell like and are you able to take that from shell to the real game versus the guys who are like seeing things two steps ahead i think it's such a fascinating thing to weigh um i'd also add passing i think obviously they're the guys who jump off the page immediately like i'm not talking about the guys that are throwing skip passes at a pick and roll two minutes into the game like we know those guys are good passers Jaden Ivey is someone for me, like in this class, Mark and I, we spent like probably five to 10 minutes dissecting him as a playmaker. The guys who kind of make the right reads, but then there are also instances where there are advanced windows and you have to pause it and be like, do I, like, should I have an expectation for him to hit this? Those are the guys that like, I really just, Ivy, I still don't really know where I'm at. And I probably watched six games this year. Um, I think passing Obviously, you see that you, the guys on the lower end are obvious. Like, oh, my God, he should have just hit the roll there. He didn't. That's, that we know. The guy who's throwing no-look skips out of pick and roll, we know that guy, too. It's like the middle ground of he can kind of pass, but he real, like relies on certain settings in the defense, relies on certain gravity from himself. Like, that's the thing that I really have some trouble with, honestly. And those are those guys are tricky to kind of. Uh, I, I was I was gonna see. What, I was gonna tag one thing on what you were saying. Uh, <laughs> those things are tricky to gauge because the guys at the top can kind of throw off your expectations. Like I always use this phrase. Um, like I I think like crowbarring passing windows open is a skill that I really value. Like guys that have pace, guys that have enough pace to you know open a window for a teammate whether and but that to me that like signifies processing like what's going on in front of them like mm -hmm. Halliburton was like incredible at that in college like he could be in the middle of possession and was like not in a hurry to score he wasn't like and there's always there's this level the analogy I always use is there's this level and like you imagine the bubbles in the center I look for guys that can keep their bubble in the center as much as possible because if they're really interested in scoring it's going to sort of blur their their ability to see what's in front of them but I was saying it throws off your expectations for guys because you're 100% right you'll like pause something Garland was like a guy like this in yeah. college a little bit because I would he watch very Garland and be, I'd be like maker. Yeah, some Cavs fans were teasing me because I said he was score first. He is a good – you can be a good passer and be score first. Like, that's the way Garland was to me. I would, like, watch him. I'd be like, he could have hit that right there. Like, that, he could have found that guy in the corner. He could have hit the roller right there. He could have paused for a second. Some of that for, like, younger scoring guards is they just are playing too fast. And I think as you mature, you, you slow down a little bit. Uh, and he just kind of cooked people his whole life. So that's another thing with, like, physical tools. If you, are they used to cooking people – um i don't know it's there's there are a hundred things i was marco go ahead and weigh in on that i, I jumped on you <laughs> no you're totally good i mean it's uh like i think well like you're talking about with crowbarring like that's kind of how i feel watching kenny chandler sometimes right now like he's so good at manufacturing stuff even like i know he's getting knocked for a size a lot and i think rightly so in some ways like yeah being being six one in the nba is hard but um like seeing guys who are capable of of getting to the paint and and making some of the reads that he makes while still shifting uh, and, and continually moving. Like he's not just a standstill guy. Like I would, I mean, he's somebody I talked about this with Jake, like 
maybe become a jump passer at some point because you have to manufacture some of those angles. But um, like already, he is good at doing some of that stuff, like working around a defender's torso. If if it's a bigger guy, like he's just he's good at finding stuff like that. So I agree. I like I like seeing that a lot too. Yeah. Um, and then we all have this. Um, your archetype slash mold. I'm trying to not use the word archetype as much as possible, just because it gets thrown around. So we'll say like mold or player type. That's your kryptonite. Whether you fall for this every time, no matter if it's really there or not, or just the person that you can kind of miss on repeatedly because like, I'm, I just don't, either you don't see value for that player or they're just not, everyone envisions how basketball should be played their own way. And whether we like it or not, it's usually not how all 30 teams are being played. So just because you don't see how someone can be employed doesn't mean they can't really be employed. I know Mark is like smiling ear to ear right now. Yeah. This is music to his ears. This is great, um, great just one. making just making the most of imperfect players, um, which obviously we all have our own scouting biases. What's a player type that is kind of your personal kryptonite? Oh man, that's tough. I mean, I love big playmakers. Um, I really like, I just love, I love watching like expert pick and roll operators op like go. Um, I guess, I don't know. I was talking with Sam Bassini the other day about like uh, the line between like a, an actual heliocentric player and, and just somebody who maybe should be more of a, a secondary, like not necessarily a primary guy for a team. I don't know if I, I mean, I love big, big interchangeable wings. I think that was a reason that, um, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I just, I like big, big wings that can do both. I mean, I'm, I maybe am, can be a little generous in, in my projections of who's going to be able to do that. Um, and, and sometimes I can be off on like just projecting, um, whether or not guys can grow into, um, taking on ball reps. Um, that's something I've encountered a lot, which is like watching Kentucky guys for sure. Um, just off the top of my head, I'd say that'd be my, my answer. Um, how about you guys? Oh yeah. Wow. How long, how long do we have? Uh, <laughs> combo guards are tough for me, man. Yeah, like, that's me. Uh, that's especially true. like guys who are like, cause I mean, Ty Ty is a good player, but he's not my kind of combo guard. Like, I mean, I, as Jake would know, um, I get dogged all the time for how much I believe in Colin Sexton still. Like, I know he's not like, I don't believe in him as like a primary for a team or anything, but like, I just think there is real value to somebody who has that kind of athleticism on top of the ability to make shots like that. Like it's finding ways to, to leverage that. I don't know, man. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not perfect with that, but um, like, I think I just, I watched the Minnesota games when he was in Alabama and I was like, all right, I'm in, like, I can't, how can I not like this? I mean, like even high energy players always get me too. like watch, like, I mean, I still, I, I, be surprised that I haven't texted you Oscar Sheway is an NBA guy uh, Kyle because I I believe it like not not like high level NBA guy but I don't know so what I were you feeling earlier when I said that really mocking <laughs> it was uh there was there was a small small hole that opened up in my heart but um I'll fill it up again watching some some it's, Kentucky later today it's possible I mean yeah. it's possible I just think he's a little stiff like, I don't know that, like, the horizontalness of the game is going to be good to him. Yeah. Um, I don't – he doesn't – he's not, like, a really much of a lob threat. Um, I mean, he's got that, like, little 17-footer. I guess, like, the plus-plus skill he has is the rebounding, you know, yeah. um, which he, he just has an amazing ability to if he gets his hands on it. I mean, if that maintains and translates, that's valuable. But if this was, like, 2006, I would – 
be a lot more confident about that. There are just so many other things that could like be negatives for him. Um, like Jared Vanderbilt is a good example of a guy that I was going to talk about later as one of my favorites. I mean, he was like a rebounder like that, but he also had some other like kind of pluses that could like swing upward for him. But um, yeah, so sorry, I got on a tirade there about Oscar, oh, but uh, you were talking about <laughs> your 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 favorites. Go ahead. Uh, and yeah, just toolsy wings who uh, who can't shoot. Like Dalen Terry out of Arizona is like one of my favorite players in the country. And <laughs> I know Jake's shaking his head right now, but like, I just love players who can do things like he does everything except shoot pretty much or score. So it does make it tough in terms of like evaluating what you can be. But like, I mean, including one of my guys on my all UK team, like Michael K. Gilchrist, I just I don't think I ever gave up on him. Um, so that's 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 already that's opening a whole other wound. But Jake, I mean, what about you, man? Oh, the best part is I was going to say I overlook guys who can do everything but shoot just because it's like hard for me to get over the hump um as like jake Hallman was saying earlier like it just oh, shooting and the defense respecting you as a shooter opens up so much for everyone's game whether you're on the ball off the ball um everyone but centers basically it's like i kind of view it as a requisite and i think that can definitely cause me to miss out on guys who just have so many other skills that are valuable and bring other things to the game um, and that's kind of something I'm trying to work with. Scotty Barnes, like the perfect example of like, I was much lower on Scotty Barnes than I should have. Like, not say, I'm not saying should have been because I don't necessarily fully regret the process that I took with him. But um, in terms of where he's going to go in a redraft, absolutely too low. And so just battling that and being able, being able to maybe take it with a little more grain of salt with some guys, if everything else is there, recognizing what is projectable with shooting, which I still... Um, kind of have no idea and Scotty just makes things much more confusing with that but the guys I do fall for um, the combo guards Mark said it um, we're gonna get grilled in the chat for this that's well, fine I, man um, just I you think guys have a flex- chat we do have we do have a <laughs> chat and they repeatedly grill us for our love of combo guards yeah oh no I'm gonna get grilled I'm sure <laughs> <laughs> Um, I mean, it's just the offensive flexibility that it provides you with is what I really fall for. Um, just the ability to go on and off the ball, being able to employ multiple creators, like someone like a Bradley Beal or a book or a Levine, like those guys, just my mind can go in so many different places as to who you can slot next to them because they can take care of, like, especially someone like Levine, he'll take care of your paint touches. He'll put pressure on the rim, but obviously there are some playmaking warts that you're going to need to pick up other in other places, but for the most part, um, you can play them alongside anyone. Uh, defensive, obviously, you're going to have to take that into account. But I just think the flexibility that they give you from an offensive standpoint is awesome to me. I'm with you on that. Like, that's like flexibility. Like, I, that, that's one, like, philosophy that has really, like, blossomed for me, like, lately that I've gotten pretty insist- insistent about, about, like, in modern roster building yeah. is I want to have – as much interchangeability as I can at one, two, three. So like when the Hawks were building their roster, like within the last couple of years, I was just getting very happy. Like, I mean, (laughs) Kevin Herter is like my, like when they, I like love Kevin Herter. And then when they got bogey, I was like, Oh my God, this is incredible. So you put, I mean, you put Trey bogey and Herter out there and it's um, that's fun for me. I think that's why I'm so insistent on uh, taking it to Kentucky. Um, Like, that's why I was kind of insistent on like, I'd like to see that Grady tie tie mints lineup more. Cause I like to, you just, you relentlessly put pressure on the defense. If you can cycle through, you know, that primary action kick 
spot up you to shoot it just and just keep them going for an entire clock if you can like i just think that that flexibility and some guys some guys like you were talking about mark like the guys that have those caveats to their game maybe you hold on to your receipts. That's just what I say with a guy like, like Sexton, it ain't over. Like, I mean, it depends on what he talked about, like role stubbornness, role malleability, whether or not like Fox, their, their ability to be like optimized may be contingent on their, their ability to be realistic about who they are as a player. Like if Sexton is, is dependent on being a primary scorer type on a team and he wants to go to a, to like a Knicks and be like the prime, like Randall was. Randall was like, I'm a primary. He was like, I'm going to go where I'm a primary. And the Knicks love Randall. He has like connections there. They come here and be a primary. We'll pay you. We missed on all our free agency targets. And he goes there and has an all-star year. <laughs> I just think uh, <laughs> there's a lot of, sorry, Knicks fans, but that's, that's tough. I'm a Knicks fan. Like, would Randall be willing to go to another team and be a different role and be like more like contribute to like real winning? I don't know. Like that's guy to guy, but um, always hold on to your receipts, you know, because I I got a lot of shit for loving Jared Vanderbilt. Like, and then I'll randomly get people be like, Hey, blah, blah, Jared you know, it's like, you know, these things have to play out and there's so many different kind of arcs, like with who the players are as people where, you know, they're willing, their willingness to adapt as their careers going, go on, um, really dictates the kind of success that they're going to have. Like, uh, I never would have thought rondo would still be putting around in the nba in 2020 and winning a title like he did but but he did so yeah now before we fully move on to the last section i do want to tease you a little bit if talking about offensive flexibility especially one through three um sky clark aside if kentucky was able to sign nick smith and roll out a three-guard lineup with shaden sharp nick, nick smith. smith and case and wallace um because nick smith i was like if nick smith does not pan out as i think he's going to I'm going to have to take multiple looks in the mirror um, with my combo guard appreciation because you might be the one. Um, all right, moving on to the last part. I wanted to talk about your video process. This was the most thing, the most most exciting thing I was looking forward to. Um, as someone who's been watching your videos for pretty much probably three, four years now, and especially when I get got into the draft stuff, I am completely incompetent when it comes to video editing. Uh, writing is a different thing. I can watch the clips. I can write um, cool formatting. The video stuff, I've tried. It is impossible. I don't know where to start. So I have a lot of admiration for guys like you and other people on YouTube who do this. Um, I'm curious to compare it to the writing process. And Mark, you can obviously chime in with your stuff as well. Like, are you casually watching and just building up uh storage of clips to then go back and pick and use to represent them in your video or are you like brainstorming an idea you find something you want to lock in on and then you're like okay i'm going to watch these x number of games and look for th these specific things to then implement into the process it's uh it's a case by case thing i know that's it's not a cop out but it's it's different <laughs> i mean if i go into it like the easiest topics to pick will be like i want to I'll be casually watching a player and I'll be like, that player's interesting. That's, that's a simple enough starting point. If I'm doing something, you know, and I'll, I'll, I'll be like, I want to over time, maybe I will have noticed this got better. This got worse. Or I just want to update circle back. Some players just on their own are interesting enough subject matter. So, but, and then um, in terms of like conceptual things, um sometimes you do some like sniffing around and dead ends like that happens. Sometimes I'll have a hunch. Um, I'll see a stat. I'll be like, oh, that's interesting. You'll go in and then start to investigate it and be like, oh, that was like misleading. That wasn't anything. Yeah. Um, so there's a lot of trial and error. Um, 
for me in terms of like my process um when i'm actually like in it like like watching somebody um i'm i think one of the reasons my process is so just like tedious is um to my own detriment like i i have a slow process i always admit this to people um is that I'm pulling clips as I go and then going back through them, which is maybe not the best way to do it. But um, I try to pull as many clips and in my notes, just like have specific clips. Like I know I don't want to out Ben for this, but Ben has told me that he is the polar opposite. Like he he like takes a clip and then just writes about that clip. I just kind of have a narrative that goes along and then I kind of fit the clips to it. So that requires me to come back. Um, it's. But in terms of like the volume of what I think the, the threshold of what is acceptable like for a player um, is high. Uh, I'm definitely not one of the, I'm like, I lean tape. Um, I know like, I know sometimes I'll get lumped with like the analytics people, which is, I think is kind of funny because I'm like not that type of person. Um, I don't look at stats like with a player until like the very end. Like I actually actively avoid them. Sometimes I'll use like advanced metrics, like on synergy as like a, like a lead. If I'm trying to find guys, like, like discover people like that, I, you know, I'll like try to see, but, um, in terms of like, you were saying like amounts of games, at least, at least six games, six would be like way too few in my opinion. Like if I'm like watching a, a rookie and I'm trying to like assess them. I mean, 10, I remember when I did the Zion video, he had played like 20 games and I watched all 20. That was grueling. Like I didn't have a baby oh, Jesus yet. Jesus Christ. Um, <laughs> that was like, but I think, um, people notice that stuff. Like if you take yeah. your time and like, that's an advantage that like you guys have, I assume both of you aren't married without kids right now. I mean, if I always tell people who ask me, I'm like, take advantage of your time. Like, cause that's the huge advantage that you have on people like me on uh, Jonathan Sharks, he's married and has a kid. Like, we just can't watch as much. Like, it's really difficult. Um, some of those video platforms are handy for that. But I mean, um, my volume, like threshold for what I think is like acceptable is like, I just have these, I'm very principled, like in snotty and hipster in some ways. That's like, uh, like I said, is self-sabotaging sometimes because it keeps me from like putting one out like every six days. Um, but that's that's kind of my approach to it. I just, I'm, I'm a purist in that way. I think you gotta, um, I don't know. There's, there's an example that I was thinking of, like I grew up in church and I remember, uh, this randomly flashback. I have like a real associative memory and I just had this flashback the other day where I was at this like revival and this guy, uh, went up in front of the church and he was like, this woman walked up to me and said, pastor, you're not praying. I know it. And he was like, she was right. He was like, he knew <laughs> no one else knew, but she knew. And I was just, I don't know why that memory came to mind, but I was always like, I always have in my head this person who's just like, you're not watching and I know it. And I always think of that person. I'm just like, so there's no phone in it in. Like, I just, I'm always like, um, I'm just principled on that kind of thing. And I'm, I'm not saying everybody's not like that, but uh, I believe in watching and watching a lot. I'm a tape guy. No, I mean, that sense of completion is definitely something that I relate to. Um, obviously, the process stuff is also relatable when I do do articles, it's like, eh, I could probably watch one more game before I like know it, know it. And then you finish that game. You're like, eh, should I watch another one? And it's just like, I don't, I personally don't feel comfortable writing about it until I am like 100% firm on the stuff that I'm putting out there. Um, Mark, how do you feel about this stuff? Yeah, it's interesting. Cause I have had a number of people ask me to like talk about it. Cause I, I don't know, like I, I just, I have been like a little bit more consistent with game workout recently, but I, 
honestly, I'm still trying to figure it out. Like, uh, I wrote the very first draft thing I did. I was like very, very, very hesitant to get into the draft because I was just like, I don't like being, uh, it's more about the players. Like it's more like, I don't want to just like talk out of turn and be wrong. And I don't care. It's less about being wrong, more about like being under knowledge or, or, I don't know that's not even a fucking word, but like, you know, like, but we knew not, not having so the fine. actual basic <laughs> knowledge to talk about what you're talking about. So like, I remember I was like, I don't know. I wanted to get into the draft. And I was like, all right, this James Wilkin, that guy, he seems interesting. I like watching off ball movers. So I'm going to watch him. And I think I watched 11 games before I, I did anything on him. And that ended up being, I had to condense down. I had like 150 clips by the end of it. So like going back through and condensing down took me like hours and like figuring out. And then you, you know how long that one was. It was way too long. So like, I don't know, for me, it just depends. Like uh, what what's helped the most, especially with the draft. Like, as you know, like I've kept up with stuff like since then, I just watch games every day, NBA and in college. And like, like you said, Kyle, like, because I'm not married and don't have kids. I can actually do it. Like it's for the most part, it's not a sustainable process. Like I watch like 10 games a, a day sometimes because I have time to, but like uh, I just find stuff and I, I normally keep tabs on it. I'll like obviously keep notes uh, handwritten because I'm a caveman. Um, but it's just easier for me to remember it. But like, I don't know. I think I just have like a constant base. I have like three whiteboards in my room just to write shit on because it helps me. Um, but sometimes I'm so scattered, like I'm too scatterbrained. I have one on, on the wall in front of me too. There's two behind me, but sometimes I'm just like still so, uh, all over the place. Cause I have like 8 million ideas and trying to condense them down to one can be uh, a chore sometimes. Like I have like three or four outlines open right now on Google docs. Like, um, so it's still a work in progress for sure. But like, I, I totally agree with Kyle. Like just the, the best thing you can do is watch. Like, I, I don't think that it, like, I agree. Like, I try and be a completionist, too, because I don't like missing anything. But I think sometimes that like that used to be a hang up for me. Like, I'm OK sometimes now. Like, all right, if I only see half of a game because that's what I have time for, it's better to do that than to not watch it at all. Like, so, you know, just whatever, whatever, whatever ends up working for you. I think it's just better to do something than to do nothing. Yeah. Uh, the last question I have about the video stuff, because I do want to get to our uh, little bonus point at the bottom. The intro, you got to tell me about it. Um, basically, for those who, I mean, I'm assuming everyone that's listening to this has seen um, the videos that Jay Common does over at The Ringer. Um, the intros are just these incredible, it's like quick, fast-paced compilation of clips from movies, TV shows, anything in pop culture that somehow you get together to tell a story about the prospect or the video. Um, and every time I watch them, I'm like, how the hell does he do this? And so... I had to ask you about it. Um, if you don't want to give away your secrets, by no means, but I have to ask. I mean, it's it's it uh, it's tricky because I, if you really thought about it, I think you could probably guess correctly. Um, I it's, sometimes it'll come from. Like I said, I have a we I just have a weird ADD associative memory. Like I'll just remember things will just like connect themselves in my mind like a, like when i see something i don't know if there's like a diagnosis for this type of mind but i just like when i see something my mind rolls through like a hundred things that like remind me of it that's just how i think i think that's why i'm like such a pun-minded person too because like i'll hear something and i'll be like that sounds like this and this and this and this and this and like um i don't know if that's a thing it might be but like whenever i'm making a video i just i think in these comparisons and movie things and just whatever comes to mind and I follow those instincts I think that's just kind of like that weirdness has 
worked for me um, in terms of just pulling pulling odd comparisons. And sometimes I'll think of, uh, and I just let them fly. Like I don't filter myself because um, I noticed early on the weirder the comparison I could think of, the more the more it seemed to work. People seemed to like it. So I and that kind of just became part of my brand. But um, I know. For the intros, it usually would start with something, a movie clip that I could think of. And then, you know, maybe I'd piece it together through, I'd have to go looking for a line or something from a show that connected two things, you know, and I just kind of, I won't say like exactly how I do it, but um, yeah. it's it's in that ballpark. That's what I say. But I was saying you could figure it out, I think, if you really went <laughs> and looked. I mean, you know, that's not like, I'm not going to go like line by line, but um yeah, some of the some of those take a long time to make. Like, like more more pathetic amount of time than I would want to admit. But I enjoy putting them together so much that, and sometimes they don't work. Like for the for the thunder one, I tried so hard to get this one to work. Um, that was about like chaos and order. Like I had this big thing, but it was just too big an idea. There were it was just not going to work. I couldn't do it. And I spent a stupid amount of hours, and that's that's another like bog down thing about my process is like. Uh, if I was just going into it, making it like, we're going to watch tape, I would get done with things a lot quicker, but I try to make them, I try to make them, I, I think of the person who doesn't watch much basketball and I want it to be like entertaining for them. And that's, that's kind of, um, that, that can be a little more time consuming, you know, to make it, to make it a thing that's watchable. Yeah. So. No, I mean, I think that definitely shines through. Um, so our last thing was a little bonus. I threw this on the outline for fun. Um, I limited it to 2010 just because that's as far as my memory goes back to uh, in terms of really knowing college basketball players. I kind of challenge everyone to make uh, their first team all Kentucky and the criteria was based on your personal preference and defining that however you like. Um, who wants to take the floor and go first? I did not realize it was 2010, um, <laughs> but <laughs> I only have one further? guy on it who is uh, – that's, that's how bad I am at reading outlines, but – I uh, I promise that I did keep in in touch with the rest of the guys. Um, I mean Tyler Eulis has to be on it, man. Like you 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 mentioned earlier, Kyle. Like Tyler Eulis yes. was awesome in college, um, and I honestly thought he was like solid-ish for a minute in Phoenix. Uh, but you know, he's just being five nine in the NBA is tough, as Isaiah Thomas can can attest. John Wall, because I mean, dude, it's fucking John Wall. I don't, I don't really know what else I have to tell people. Like, I'm tired of hearing that the Austin Rivers mixtape in high school is better than John Wall. Because it's not. That's just a lie. Um, John Wall's got the greatest high school mixtape of all time. I'm not going to hear anything about it. I'll debate you. The Holy um, Rams. Yeah, exactly. I would wear a Holy I'll debate, Rams I'll debate you on that on a separate. You podcast. can debate me all you want to, but you're wrong. So tell me one. I, I grew up on better. Austin Rivers. You, you think Austin Rivers, Austin Rivers mixtape is better? Is better? You're insane. I have a personal That's bias. Bullshit, I have personal <laughs> bias, but I will die on the hill. Bias for, what? for 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 Doc Rivers' son. I'm, like that. I think I'll tell you. So I was saying close. my the first my, the first time I've I ever saw like AAU basketball. It was just a random summer day, and it was on ESPN. It was Austin Rivers playing a peach champ with each one teach one, and ever since then I've kind of fallen in love with AAU and high school ball. So that is where my quote unquote personal bias comes from. I understand the John Wall people, but I feel like it's my duty to defend Austin. Okay. That was so dismissive the way he said that. Uh, <laughs> well, Doc won't defend him, so it's says, probably not not wrong says, you too. But. Check yourself, buddy. You could listen to that. He's he he was coming from a like a pro Austin River stance, and he's like I judging us. This. I'm just that's wild, <laughs> man. That's an absolutely wild take, especially defending someone from Duke too. But 
yeah, I mean, my yeah, this is where it gets funky because my team is all like it's just based strictly on vibes and what I enjoy watching. MKG obviously is th- number three for me. He would be the three on my team. Jamal Mashburn is like one of my five favorite players of all time. Uh, I would love to see him play in the NBA today, much better than I think he ever got credit for. Mike seems way too young to know about Jamal Mashburn. I uh, how, how I have, have you like, watched this, Jamal Mashburn? I have this weird thing where like I don't know, like when I first got into basketball. Um, not to like go on a total tangent, but like I uh, was originally working on a pro boxing career that did not work out. I had some major health and stuff go on. So I ended up being just kind of like confined to my couch for like a year and a half. And I love basketball, but like basketball is not on during the day. So I watched a ton of like old 80s, 90s, 2000 stuff because there's a ton of games on uh, on YouTube. And I loved watching the uh, like the 2002 Hornets. So <laughs> Jamal Mashburn, man. Um and then Terrence Jones. I love Terrence Jones. I really uh, wanted it to work for him in the NBA. I honestly think, like, weirdly that he might be better now. Like, it, that could be wrong. But he just always had, like, a little bit of everything. The shot was never quite there for him, but he had the passing chops. He had a little bit of a handle. Like, just a fun player. I always enjoyed him. Um, so he'd be up there for me, too. Yeah, Jones, yeah. like, I, I think, think had he, a lot of – I, I even like Daryl Morey, I think, said on a podcast that that was one guy that he believed in that like didn't work out. Um, anyway, I, I'm with you. I think it was more another like just couldn't quite get his basketball work life right, from what I understand. Yeah, that's yeah, he had a lot of stuff, man. He was so nasty, so nasty. Um, I can go next with my squad. Um, similar to Mark, I took a very it's my team is very small and based on a lot of personal preference. Um, I had no choice but to reunite the fa- the Monk and Fox backcourt. Um, that was just one of the high school or college teams I'll always remember. I loved both of those guys. Me and one of my best friends over summer, like at summer camp, I had a Fox jersey, he had a Monk jersey. I'm warm together. Like that, that was kind of what it was for me. Um, so I had no choice but to bring those two guys back. My third guard, as you noted, Tyler Ulis. Um, this one was like, I kind of penciled him in that we were all going to have him. Uh, he was kind of just like a no-brainer to me small guard that probably had no business being as good as he was for Kentucky, uh, especially playing at that level. So I had those three guys as my guards. Um, Tyler Hero was a tough omission, but I feel like that was pushing it a little bit. As my four, the forwards were a little bit thin for me as I outlined my uh, disdain for non-shooters. So MKG is not on this list to no surprise. We went the other way, which with uh, James Young on, who was on the 2014 team. I mean, Um, yeah. (laughs) He was, he'd talk about someone who looked the part, uh, just silky smooth lefty on the wing who was on that Kentucky team that went way further than they should have in the NCAA tournament and almost walked into a national championship. Um, that was an interesting year in college basketball. And James Young was that guy for me. Um, I remember me and all my friends watching college basketball. When we were like probably 12, 13 at that time. Um, we were just like, this dude's cool. Um, and we all loved watching him. And then my last guy, um, I struggled for a big but I decided I was talking to Terrence Jones and the guy I ended up going with, which is Alex Poitras, um, ended up staying in Kentucky for a while. <laughs> Man, whoa. Um, My face. I, wow. <laughs> I kind of just that. Maybe I kind of have um, a faint memory of him. But from what I remember, just someone who played with a lot of energy, um, did what was asked of him and just kind of <laughs> sometimes um, I did not watch as much of him as you did. So if my evaluation is a little off, but allow me to engage in some nostalgia for someone who dunked in 
screen door. Can I can I ask, do you have do you have like specific kind of lionized memories of like that 2014 tournament? Is that because you said the thing about James and I was like, maybe do you like do you have like vivid memories of like watching that tournament run? Is that where so, this maybe is a little so stimming from? I so I grew up my dad went to Michigan, so I grew up a diehard Michigan fan. So I have very vivid memories of that elite eight Big game. Spike Albrecht guy. Well, huge, Alex, huge Spike Albrecht guy. Alex did play with energy during that run. He was yeah. like enormous. He had like a people should go look this up. It gets forgotten about. He had a dunk in their game against Wisconsin in the Final Four that was like crazy nasty. Like like Poitras is built a lot. Like um, oh, there was somebody physically in this past draft that I was getting teased, but he like reminded me of. Um, Anyway, but he if if he had some more ball skills, yeah, he could have played in the league. He's just like he couldn't just he couldn't shoot dribble pass, and that that's yeah. kind of a that's kind of a tough starting point. Okay, so I broke this down into some groups. I'll rattle through them real quick. Like my favorite because they're different groups. My favorites, like just off the top of my head, Darius Miller is probably my favorite all time mm-hmm. UK player. Yeah, I like. Okay, that because he was like a mega connective piece. If he got around the foul line, he could hit that shot. He could shoot a floater and get fouled. He was a great lob thrower. Uh, he played all four years, like played consistently. He was probably the understated most, one of the most understated important parts of that 2012 team. Uh, he's close to my age. That's another thing. Uh, Malik Monk was just like endless fun i mean you could go back like my favorite players like eric daniels that's before your all time tayshawn obviously keith bogans joe crawford on and on and on i love so ron mercer was sort of like the the genesis my favorite uk player at the beginning another guy that probably you all don't remember watching but um and then uh like caller guys i loved emmanuel quickly boogie obviously everybody I get teased about my faith in DeMarcus Cousins. I still root for him. I still want him to do well. Um, I get excited when he gets in. His minutes now are like absolutely shit show chaos for the Bucks. Like he comes in, he's like falling down. He's fouling people. He's shooting threes he shouldn't shoot. Shea, I love Shea, obviously. Yeah. Uh, pre-weight loss to Kara Johnson was one of my favorite players too. Like when he actually was a little hefty and he would wear a t-shirt under his jersey and stuff like that. When he lost the weight, I was just like, it's not as fun anymore. I was like, he needs to, he needs to be big butt to Kari. He would like knock people around. Jared Vanderbilt, James Young. I love James Young too. DeAndre Liggins was another one that I loved. Um, epic shit talker. Like if you want to go back and watch a game, like the 2011 uh, UNC game, he got in Harrison Barnes' head. It was like pretty hilarious. Actual squad. Let's all go through it really quick. So this is like them at the age that they were in college. If I put this team together, he's allowed to play a modern style. Anthony Davis, Jamal Murray, Shea, Malik Monk. I think that team. If you're playing just college teams in a regular college season, not that it would ever happen, they would not lose a game. Uh, in terms of like now it seems like the ranks have been like thin so much because of injuries and things like that. I mean, I think you'd have to go Carl and then um, is AD healthy? Like, are we talking today? Is AD like AD? Um, Bam, I think would be in competition for that spot if AD's not going to be healthy. Um, otherwise, it would be AD, Booker, Shea, and then I have Maxi actually on there too. I think Maxi's playing really well. Um, Murray, health thing too. If Murray's healthy, I'd consider it, but uh yeah, I know that's a lot of UK guys. I just rattle off there, but uh, there you go. 
like 17% of every player that's played at UK over the last decade. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I omitted a bunch, but uh, so many guys. Well, uh, yeah. well, Kyle, this that was, was that was oh, yeah, yeah god go god that was just gonna <laughs> no, say it jumped out to me when, when i was when i was doing the list and scrolling through the rosters i was like especially positions one through three i was just like it must be fun to be a kentucky guy like they have so many good players even in the past like 12 13 years but now go ahead because i think we should wrap this up no yeah i was gonna say too i'm still sad about brandon knight he was gonna be it's gonna be great man but you know injuries suck um well, Kyle, this was absolutely awesome, man. We really appreciate you taking the time. I know we kept you longer than we said we were going to, but we appreciate it nonetheless. Uh, do you have anything that you're excited about you want to plug before we got out of here? Uh, I was just going to say, you know, man, I, I enjoy going on shows like you all's because you guys, um, you know what you're talking about. And I appreciate that. And, uh, I appreciate your your intention and um, uh, the, the, the your process, you know, somebody said that to me. They're like, I appreciate your process. I was like, yeah, I was like, that's just kind of, you can kind of identify the people who are in, as into it as you are, if like by their process. I appreciate that. Uh, and uh, I expect you guys to be bosses someday for real. There's so there's so many like smart young draft people out there. It's just like, I feel like it just every iteration, it just like the, the people get smarter and smarter. So I just can't imagine where we're going to be like 10 years from now, how like smart the, the writers are going to be. Um, it's just, uh, it's, it's a good, good time. It's exciting. A lot of talent out there. Um, but in terms of like what we're doing, um, John, Jonathan Sharks and I are doing a show now called Upside High, um, which is, you know, it's more focused on like guys that are early NBA. Um, just like first contract kind of guys we we go into not as much like like prep to college early kind of stuff as like say you guys would but uh we but we will be doing some of that so but it's uh it's more of a developmental nba kind of show concept so and we're gonna be doing that weekly i think it comes out on like um tuesday afternoons tuesday evenings so just keep an eye out for that and obviously my videos uh, are gonna be on youtube so that's where you'll find that awesome well i'm looking forward to it Jake, do you have any parting words, man? Um, no, just thank you so much for coming on. Uh, this was a blast talking UK, basketball, draft, video making process, um, just all the above. It was awesome. So I hope you guys enjoyed this one as much as we had recording it. Yeah. To everyone listening, thank you for listening. Of course, follow Kyle on Twitter if you don't already. Follow us on Twitter. Most importantly, just have a good rest of your day, and thank you for listening.